0: Welcome to the Valley Point Podcast. Valley Point Church is a faith community located in Glen Mills, Pennsylvania. Our mission is pointing people to real relationships and real significance. Enjoy and thanks for listening. Continue our Christmas series by thinking about how we can use our time during the season to have a great and even a memorable Christmas. A couple of weeks ago, we said this let's use our time for renewal. And I believe we can experience renewal on the inside. That's possible for all of us, in spite of our circumstances, in spite of what may be happening in our lives. We can have this renewal on the inside. When we give, And when we're generous, without expecting anything in return. For even Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Much more blessed to give than to receive. And this is the pathway to happiness and joy. And when we give and when we're generous, there is this renewal that happens on the inside. And so let's give our time this Christmas to renewal. And then last week, we said this, it's time for salvaging. And with that word, we talked about kind of a rebirth or making something new or rescuing something. That's the idea of the word salvage. And we broke it down like this. We said, maybe it's time this Christmas to salvage a relationship. Maybe a relationship is broken or it's not as strong as what it used to be. And we need to rescue that relationship. Or we said, maybe it's time to rescue our faith. Maybe that's a bit shaky and it's wavering because of things that have happened in life. And we need to salvage that. We also talked about rescuing our God-given purpose. And maybe once we were very excited about chasing that and pursuing that, but we've drifted a little bit and that's way over there on the side right now. And we have forgotten about our God-given purpose and we need to rescue and salvage that. And so the challenge last week was, let's not be afraid to use our time to rescue and salvage. There's still time before Christmas Day. And so here's our big idea for this week. And that is, it's time for obedience. Let's use our Christmas time and what is remaining there to chase and to pursue obedience. Now, what does that mean? Well, if you have a Bible or a device, I want you to find Matthew chapter 1. This is the final Christmas or the final Sunday before Christmas Day. And I think it's very appropriate that we actually spend our time in a Christmas story in the text where we discover the advent or the arrival of Jesus. And this is what we find in Matthew chapter 1. So if you can find that, you can also scan the QR code in your program and that'll bring up all of the notes and all of our scripture for today. Matthew chapter 1, this is where it all begins, and this is truly a miraculous story. And what I want to do is I want to zero in on the life of Joseph, the earthly father of Jesus. I think sometimes when we dive into the birth of Jesus and we think about his advent and his arrival, we forget about Joseph. There's Jesus, and he's the main character in the story, and that's obvious. And then there's Mary, the mother of Jesus, and we make a big deal about her. But often, way back there in the shadows is Joseph, and we don't talk about him that much. And so I'd like to use our time this morning to kind of just peel back a few layers there of Joseph's life, because here's the deal. I think if we discover what he said and what he did and what he didn't do... I think we're going to have a great picture on how we can give our time this Christmas season to obedience and how that can transform us. So, Matthew chapter 1. Now, before we begin to think about Joseph, I want to go back and set some context. Matthew is the first book in the New Testament. And so here we are in Matthew chapter 1, and it begins right away talking about the birth of Jesus and how Jesus came from the right family line in order to claim Messiahship. That's what we find right away in the opening verses. So Matthew chapter 1, the first book in the New Testament. I think when you're considering whatever this first book is, which is Matthew, I think it's kind of interesting and noteworthy or maybe at least intellectually stimulating to think about what was the book before Matthew? What came before the advent? What were the words that set up the arrival of Jesus? I think that's kind of interesting to consider. Well, most scholars will tell us that the final book written before the advent or the arrival of Jesus was Malachi or as we like to affectionately call him here at Valley Point, Malachi, the great Italian prophet, (laughs) right? So he's not really Italian, but, you know, we just like to have fun with that. So you've got Matthew, first book of the New Testament, and then you've got Malachi, or Malachi, who ends the Old Testament. It's important to remember that all of the Old Testament books, they pointed to a Messiah, and they announced A rescuer is coming, someone who will redeem, someone who will save us, someone who will be very special and important, and he is coming at some point. I think the natural question for everybody was, when? When is this Messiah going to arrive? When will he appear? And they continued to look for him. So that's Malachi, the end of the Old Testament, and then we have the arrival of Jesus, In Matthew chapter 1. Here's what's fascinating. In between Malachi. And Matthew chapter 1. Are 400 silent years. 400 years. With no word from God. 400 years. With no revelation. 400 years of nothingness. Now, keep in mind, all of the Old Testament books point to a Messiah. He is coming. He is going to arrive. He will save us and rescue us. And again, the question is when we're ready for that. We're looking for him. We can't wait. And then you've got just 400 silent years where nothing happens and no information from God. 400 years has a way of killing a dream, doesn't it? <laughs> you bet it does. And I don't think too many people were actually looking or anticipating a Messiah, because again, 400 years is a very long time. Well, keep that in mind, because this is where Matthew comes into play now, and here's what he records for us. You've got Malachi, 400 years, no new information. Here's verse 1. This is a record of the ancestors of Jesus the Messiah, a descendant of David and of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron was the father of Ram. Ram was the father of Amminadab. And there are 12 more verses like this. Want me to keep reading? Probably not. Probably not. But I would encourage you to do this. Read through that this afternoon. Because there are names here that are very valuable to the story. I think Matthew does something fascinating here. Again, remember 400 silent years, no new information from God. And all of a sudden, Matthew bursts on the scene here and he gives us the line of Jesus and connects all of that back to the proper people, proving he could be the Messiah. It's really quite brilliant what Matthew does here. Jump to verse 17. All those listed above, all of those names, the family of Jesus, include 14 generations from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the Babylonian exile, and 14 from the Babylonian exile to the Messiah. Now, what's happening here? All right, get this. Stick with me for a few moments because I think this is phenomenal. What's happening is that the 400 silent years are about to be broken. Jesus is coming. His advent is here. It's being described for us. This is quite exciting. The only problem is nobody really anticipated this. Because remember, 400 years has a way of killing all possibilities. So nobody was really looking for the Messiah except for a few people. But it happens. It happens. Jesus arrives. He comes. And it kind of happens in a very bizarre way. And this is where Joseph, the earthly father of Jesus, enters the story. So let's keep reading. Are you ready? Verse 18. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. Let's just pause right there for a few moments. Mary is engaged to be married to Joseph. This is what we read. I think most of us have a concept of what engagement looks like. We've got Mary and Joseph, they're excited about their new life together, they're in love. They probably have jobs and significant work that they do and they enjoy that and like that and they're looking forward to their wedding day. Probably want to have a couple of kids, move out to the suburbs of Jerusalem in a little bit to have a little more yard and a little more house. Life is good for Mary and for Joseph. We understand engagement. But there's something that is kind of important for us to get as we unpack this story. And that is engagement in this culture and in Bible times looks a little different than how we see it portrayed today. Marriage in this culture or engagement in this culture was very similar to marriage. Very similar. They took it very seriously. Abstinence was the rule during this time. And in the Jewish culture the engagement was a sacred contract that they made with each other that could only be broken. The only way it could be broken was through death or divorce. And so what we find right here in Matthew chapter 1, Jesus is about to arrive, we discover that Mary and Joseph are engaged. They have this solemn contract together. It's very serious and they understand this. Now, this lends a little more dynamics to the story because here's what we find in verse 18. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power, the miraculous power of the Holy Spirit. Now, often we read scripture and we kind of glaze over some things. This is something we can't skip because it's just remarkable what is happening here. So, picture this Mary and Joseph. They're engaged. They have this solemn contract, this commitment to each other. And they're excited about their future. And one day, Mary approaches Joseph and says, Joseph, we need to have a little talk. And so they sit down. You can picture this, can't you? They sit down, and Joseph says, Well, Mary, what's on your mind? What's happening? and Mary delivers the bombshell news well Joseph I'm pregnant big news right really big devastating news for Joseph the reason it's devastating for him is because Joseph knows well we haven't done that (laughs) I know that so that's not my child That's not my baby. What's happening here, Mary? We have this commitment. We made a contract to each other. Hey, what's happening here? What's going on? And you can imagine this conversation rising in temperature. There's no doubt at some point in the conversation, Joe looks at her and says, who's the guy? Who's the guy? I got to know. Who's the guy? And perhaps... Mary responded and said, well, that's just the thing. There is no guy. There's no guy. I am pregnant through the miraculous power of the Holy Spirit. To which Joseph would have said, right. "Right." (laughs) Right, so you're going to blame this on God, are you? Yeah, I actually am going to blame this on God is what Mary may have said. And this is why you got to pick up your Bible every once in a while and read because it is filled with real stories and real people and how they responded to each other. And this is what makes it so colorful and dynamic and exciting. And we've got to jump in. We do. Keep in mind, 400 silent years, Malachi, nothing from God. And then Matthew announces the birth of Jesus, the Messiah. The one who's going to save the world, and it happens like this, is scandalous, actually. Kind of bizarre. And not exactly what you would expect from someone who's going to pay the price for all of our sins. It doesn't make sense. It really doesn't. So what happens? Well, Joseph realizes that Mary is telling the truth. They're going to raise a very famous son who will do amazing things, and everything turns out. Well, that's not exactly what happens. Check out verse 19. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man, which means in the language here, he was just, he was proper. Joseph's a good guy, he's a good guy. He was a righteous man, and he did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. <laughs> Basically, Joseph says, I, I'm out. I'm out. I, I can't do this. I don't know if you're telling me the truth or not. It doesn't make sense. Your baby is not my baby. And I didn't sign up for this. This wasn't the deal. This wasn't our contract. And I, I'm out. I can't, I can't do this. This is the earthly father of Jesus now. We have a real intense struggle here. The contract has been broken in his mind, and he doesn't want to embarrass Mary. He just wants to dissolve the contract. It needs to be over. Verse 20. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. In other words, don't be afraid to fulfill the contract. It's going to be okay. Here's why. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. It's almost like God through the angel is saying, Joseph, it's okay. There's not another guy. There's not another guy. This was all done miraculously. Your son is very special. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son And you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Now, verse 24, and here's where we get our big idea. It's time for obedience. What do we see from Joseph? really an interesting start to their life together. What do we find here? Here's what it says. When Joseph woke up, he did. And that word is so important. If you like to underline or circle or box or highlight, I would encourage you to do that with the word did there because it means he performed or he carried out. He got up and he did something. When Joseph woke up, he did. He performed he carried out as the angel of the Lord commanded and he took which means he brought along with he received Mary as his wife so what we discover Malachi the end of the Old Testament 400 years of nothing no new information from God and then all of a sudden we have these amazing words in Matthew chapter 1 he is going to arrive And he's going to come through Mary and Joseph. You don't have to be afraid to step into this because she has been faithful to you. And Joseph woke up. He did. He performed. He carried out. And I believe we can honestly say that he used his time on that very first Christmas. He gave his time to obedience. He got up and he performed. He did. What God placed into his heart, easy? I don't think so. I mean, this is really kind of bizarre here. I don't think it's easy at all. But yet he got up and he did. He was obedient to God. Think about this. Even in the middle of something bizarre, even when things didn't seem right, even when he doubted, even when he had just cause to end the whole thing, just cause even when others were gathering around him and shouting scandal get away she's not worthy even in the middle of that even when he felt punched in the gut even when he felt betrayed even when he wanted to walk even when others gave advice contrary to God he pressed into the tension he got up and he did he was obedient to God Great story, right? Kind of fascinating, cute. We love this story. I think sometimes we forget about Joseph and the role that he played and the things that he did and the things that he didn't do. He was so obedient to what God gave him. Great story. But how do we use this in our lives? What about you and me? What about today? What about this Christmas? I want to give you four questions just to get your mind thinking about obedience and what God might be placing into your heart right now. So here's question number one. What one step of obedience do I need to take this season? And and you know you need to take it. I guess it's just obvious to you. Maybe it's even obvious to other people, and they've perhaps even shared that with you or not. But it's obvious to you at least. What one step of obedience do I need to take this season? Question number two. What step of obedience have I been avoiding? kind of pushing it off. Question three, what needs to start? And then question four, what needs to stop? So what one step of obedience do I need to take this season? What step have I been avoiding? What needs to start? And what needs to stop? My guess is that as we are... Thinking and contemplating these questions right now, God is placing something on your mind or on your heart that you need to do, that you need to perform, that you need to carry out, where you need to obey. What is that step for you? Let me create some scenarios that may be helpful. Maybe it's time to extend forgiveness to someone that you have refused to do that for. For whatever reason you've just refused to extend forgiveness and you're holding them and yourself in a prison cell of unforgiveness maybe God's kind of tapping on your heart just a little bit like it's time to obey in this area it's time maybe God's been tugging on your heart to give financially and you've been resisting that because it's fearful Maybe it seems a little bit reckless to you and irresponsible even. And you're trying to wrestle with that a little bit. Maybe it's time to just perform, to do, to be obedient. Maybe God's kind of tugging on your heart to get into his word regularly. And that's something you know you need to do because this is where God meets us and this is where he gives us information about him. But you've been able to fill your time with all kinds of other stuff and you know that needs to happen but maybe it'll happen a little bit later and maybe you're just feeling that sense of urgency to comply and to obey and to regularly engage in God's word. Maybe it's time to put down a habit that you know needs to go. Maybe it's time to adjust an attitude. Maybe it's time to let go of hate or pride or something else. What falls out of the story of Joseph, one of the things that I think is just crystal clear when you jump into Matthew chapter 1, is that he gave his time. He was not afraid to do something that was difficult and challenging and had all kinds of consequences for him. He was not afraid to step into that. He gave his time to obedience. So here's the fear that we all should have as we think about obeying God and taking that step, whatever it is that he's tapping on our heart with right now. Here's the fear that we all should have that we delay obedience because after all it's christmas time and we have family and fun and festivities and downtime and the giving and receiving of gifts and let's just delay obedience just a little bit longer that's a fear we all should have and here's why that should be a fear i want you to hear this so just all eyes up here for just a second here's why that's a fear we all should have because if we delay obedience in any way, it allows us to dwell in the land of ickiness. And I know that's not very sophisticated, but it's just true. If we push off obedience for whatever reason, if we delay that, it allows us to wallow in mediocrity and ickiness, and we will pay for that at some point. There is a price to that. And so can we all just commit that with the time we have left, this Christmas, that we will use it like what Joseph did. And even though it was hard and inconvenient and it seemed a little strange that he just stepped into this lane and he was willing to be obedient to God, let's not delay obedience just because it may be risky. Let's not delay obedience just because it's not convenient. Let's step into that and do what God wants us to do. So one takeaway for all of us. Ready? Run into the tension of obedience this Christmas. Run to it. Like we often run from that stuff, don't we? Run to it. Run to it. It'll be okay. Because it's time. It's time for obedience. Father, we're thankful for this opening chapter of Matthew. First book in the New Testament that breaks the 400 years of Silence. God, I don't think people were looking for you. They weren't really aware of what was happening because it had been so long, but yet you burst onto the scene and you did it in the most unique of ways. And today we've focused and thought for just a little bit about Joseph, the earthly father of Jesus and how this impacted him. And I don't think we often consider his life. We think about Jesus and we consider Mary, but we don't often think about Joseph himself. And this is a pretty dicey situation. What we know based on your word is that he was ready to go away. He was ready to walk. Didn't make sense to him. There's no doubt he was hurt deeply, deeply. But then you came to him. You whispered into his heart. Told him it would be okay. He got up and he was willing to perform. He was willing to carry out. He was willing to obey. God, I believe throughout the process of our time together this morning as we've been singing and praying and looking into your word, that you've probably whispered some things into our hearts as individuals that we need to do this. Like here's where I need to obey. And I think you're giving that to all of us. I pray that you give each and every person here the courage as they step out in just a few moments to do what Joseph did, to give time this Christmas to obey you, even if it's hard and even if it's difficult and even if there are consequences, that we would not delay obedience because that's risky, so risky. So God, as we just conclude our time now and think and respond to you, would you help us to be open to whatever it is that you're whispering into our hearts right now? Areas of obedience. Help us to be ready to step this week, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. We'd also love to have you join us on any Sunday morning as well at the Garnet Valley Middle School at 9.15 or 11 a.m.